Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with education-based coach Taylor Ross. He he loves helping his clients learn to find a path towards a healthy life and long-term performance and for years to come. Taylor, I'm super excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the show. Hey Lisa, how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I, I would just love to basically dive right into how you found your way into coaching, how you found your way into fitness in general, and um, then we'll take it from there. Yeah, so as far as my fitness journey, I've always kind of been an athlete uh, doing sports growing up as a kid, but the later years kind of got fine-tuned into track and field. But as far as a coach, I actually wanted to be an astronaut, and then I grew a little too much. And I would not be allowed because I'm 6'4". So I actually was going to get into aerospace engineering. And then I took a sports medicine class my senior year of high school. I was like, whoa, this is really cool. I love the body. It's just as much thinking and figuring out how things work. And there's the, the physics of it. And as an athlete, it ignited this passion of learning more to get better with athletics. So then in school, I was going to be a pre-athletic training major to help athletes themselves, but I actually wasn't allowed to be one as an athlete. So I made it onto the team at uh, my university to be uh, a runner. And like, yeah, you can't run and be an athletic training major. So kinesiology became my thing, focused in on strength, conditioning and nutrition. And I ended up getting my master's there as well. So six years of straight education there and then continuing everything on beyond graduating as well. So I'm always on top of everything. Awesome. I love hearing that. Nothing better than staying on top of the current science. And I mean, that's one of the great pleasures and kind of curses of our field. It's ever evolving. And whenever you think you know something, something new comes out and you're like, oh, okay, this is a new new window. So yeah, you you never finish learning, um, which is beautiful, I guess. <laughs> so do you mostly work with people in person or mostly online or a bit of a, a bit of both? I'm definitely both right now. Um, so I do have a brick and mortar gym. So I see a lot of people, people in person, but I don't necessarily coach a lot there. Um, however, I do have a handful of one-on-one -on -one clients in person still, but I've focused a lot more on online the past year or so, just because the pandemic kind of kickstarted that for me. Um, I used to have a company called the Vic Fit uh, in 2013, which was the virtually integrated coach. Okay, But nobody wanted anything to do with that back then. So I folded it up and tried to reignite it. Um, and the pandemic really made it happen. And that's what evolved into Crown Athletics, where we focus on fitness, nutrition, mindset, overall health and well-being for the longevity purpose. I also coach a lot of elite athletes. And actually, all of them are remote. Like, I don't work with them one-on-one -on -one all the time. It's meetings just like this getting the nutrition dialed in, doing check-ins to make sure that we're on top of everything they need to perform at that high level. But it goes the same for like parents and business owners too. They need just as much attention and um, insight on their own health. I love it. And um, one of the things that I really like also, is that you mentioned, it also stands for, you know, the mindset is also included. It's not just here's your training program here's a meal plan or your macros or whatever. Um, you're, you're, you really preach that, 
every area in life is going to have have an effect on another area in your life. And that includes the mindset of um, fitness and health being present in other areas of your life. So how do you work with your clients on that? Or how do you even just get them to understand that everything is linked? So with mindset and figuring out why you're doing something, I actually just ask questions. I get them to answer their own questions or come up with their own answer just through asking the right things. So if they're struggling with something, I'll try to figure out what it is that their big focus is and just ask them why or what the purpose is of what they're doing. So in, in fitness, everybody's like, oh, I want a six pack or I want to get lean and tone. I'm like, well, what's the purpose of that? What's it going to give back to you? And that's when you start to figure out the mind frame of like what they're actually trying to accomplish. And you can uncover that it's not really just about that. They want to just feel more confident or represent themselves in a better manner. So through conversations, Zoom calls or one-on-one -on -one in person or my check-ins, I can find out what it is that they really want to accomplish. And then we start to create actions plans based off of daily disciplines to make sure that the mind is where they want their fitness and nutrition to be. Because without the mind, nothing's going to be sustainable. So I have a, a triad that I've been still trying to develop and get it to go together coherently. But basically we have fitness, which is going to make your doctor happy. It keeps you healthy. You move your body, you're good, right? Then you have your nutrition that primarily fluctuates your weight, whether you're gaining, losing, or maintaining weight. When those cross over, you get amazing benefits, right? But then there's a third tier, which I put above everything is mind, spirit, um, mental capacity, whatever you want to call it, just that mind connection to those two other things. And I think that has 90% of the effects on fitness and nutrition. So finding the right mind frame is the biggest part of my training now. Super cool. And I mean, you said you asked them a lot of good, a lot of questions in order to find out what they really want. But if someone was wanting to do that on their own in the sense of wanting to or realizing, okay, I, I know I need to connect all these areas with mindset, how can they go about it? Or do you have particular strategies slash homework that you kind of give your clients to do on their own? Yeah, I think one is getting some books that will help guide you in that way, right? And they can be stories. They don't have to be like, uh, what's it? I have the five minute uh, journal, which is a great one that kind of guides you along and actually makes you think about what you're grateful for, think about your day. And that way you start creating more of a positive mindset and that will attract more positive things your way and give you more, uh, more, more insight on yourself to do those things. Also, one of my favorite books is The Alchemist and it just talks about the journey. And if you think about the journey, then you can really unlock some stuff in your mind as far as like what your purpose is and why you're, you're, you're trying to do it. Because if you get lost in, oh, I have this massive goal, say, I want to go to the Olympics, like I did myself, or somebody's trying to lose 50 pounds, and they think of that and only lose two in one week, they're like, wow, this is, this is so far away. But if you look at what you've accomplished in that moment in time, that's what you need to focus in on. So when you want to do it yourself, it's a big time homework assignment to find the resources that resonate with you. I think journaling and finding good self-development books are a great way to do that. But realistically, it is very, very hard to do on your own because you don't know what's missing in your puzzle of your own mind. And that's where 
it was a big benefit for me to take sports psych classes and a few other psychology classes to find out what's going on. And I mean, I'll be the first one to say that I can't do this by myself. Nobody really can, right? We're no, not perfect. We don't see our flaws all the time or we don't see the missing link. But if I were to really pinpoint it, it's definitely going to be starting to journal and show daily gratitude towards the things that you might not have noticed before. I think you mentioned so many great points. So number one, starting with books, I think that's a really positive uh, or really good way to begin this journey. Um, I will say that I used to believe for many years throughout high school that I don't like reading. I always loved uh, like, you know, people just gift you a novel or whatever. And I took it with me on vacation because I thought, you know, that's what you do on vacation. You kind of read. And I read like a page or so. And I just said, I don't like reading. I don't have the patience for it. Little did I know it was just the wrong books. And really, when I did start reading self-development books, um, it was like, whoa, I love reading. This is I like I can't get enough of this. And so to your point of like find what works for you, um, I would highlight on that section also that just like with everything else, it's gonna have its biggest impact if it's something that you do daily. And that's I mean, you said daily gratitude, but I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm gonna read these five self-development books, then I'm I know my why and then I know what my you know purpose really is or I'm I'm set then essentially. Um, and that's just not the case. You continuously involve because you also get bombarded with negative influences from all over. So you need to make sure you're offsetting that kind of. So I think um It's a really good place to start, though. And from what you were saying, I can relate to that. I do think people can start on their own. They can start answering some of those first questions or even just, you know, because it's often about taking the time to even just go inwards. Most people, they're so busy all day long, they never even think about like, what do I actually want my life to look like? Why am I feeling so crap? Or what oh, what's disconnected? What's really good in my life, the relationships or what's not working so well. So I think starting with that is is easy on your own, just making the time to go within. And after a few years, as you said, to reach that next level or those next levels for years to come, um, having continuous guidance there is, uh, in my opinion, definitely something uh, you can't put a number on. I've, I've had a mentor now for um, or various mentors now for probably five years and for the last two years the same mentor and of course the deeper you get into a mentoring relationship the more you get out of it as well same same thing there I mean I think while there is um, sometimes like something like therapy doesn't necessarily have to be for the rest of your your life but with like mentoring or with coaching um there there's endless potential if you believe that you have endless potential then there is endless potential if you have the right mentors and coaches around you so i really really like that that is the foundation not just the foundation it sounds like it's more than just the foundation of what you try to teach and really more of like an umbrella or an in, in, um, encompassing thing for everything else yeah it 100% is and sometimes it does take time because I've had clients that just don't want to do it yet. They want to focus on the fitness and the nutrition side of things. Like, okay, cool. And I'll, I'll do my little sprinkles here and there, but it's crazy to see how much development you can get in such a short time period when you really start focusing on the mindset component of things. And it really does unlock doors within yourself and outside mm -hmm. that you would have never known about. And I think having mentors, like you said, is probably one of the most valuable things that I underestimated as a young man. Like mm -hmm. you have an ego, like, oh, I can do this. I can do anything. 
yeah, you can, but you're going to pay with time and suffering because you don't know exactly what's going on. And then when you find somebody who's walked those same steps, things accelerate, they unlock things inside of you that you might not have been able to touch for years in the future and just really shed light on many situations, which I love. And it goes so much beyond than fitness and nutrition. This is overall life. And I think those are the best mentors to have. And the cool thing about the fitness and nutrition style mentors is you're going to get that bonus with it too. Like I think of mm -hmm. fitness and nutrition as just a sprinkle on top. Now mm -hmm. like the mindset is really everything. And once I you, yeah, get your purpose and your passion, like it's, you're unstoppable basically. Well, the thing is too, that once you have that foundation, you no longer see fitness and nutrition as a temporary thing as something like, uh, I'm going to do that for until, until I lose this weight or until this and that it's like, no, that's just, that just becomes part of who you are, part of your identity essentially. Um, and I mean, in regards to the nutrition and the mindset around there, um, I would love to hear what you do in terms of mindset around, um, like limiting beliefs when it comes to nutrition. So if someone's like, I've tried everything or I always gain weight over uh, the holidays or I'm in my family, like no one's ever lost the weight or whatever it is, like we all have limiting beliefs. How do you, how do you even start tackling those? So I try to get people at first just to recognize what they're having. So that's their first aha moment. Right. I'll try to educate them on what foods are what. And I'm like, all right, I want you to track for a couple of weeks. I'm not going to tell you what to eat. Just track anything and everything. Scan barcodes, just see what it is. And then the 2000 calories that I think they're eating is more like 3,700. It's like, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Like, I didn't know this had this much fat in it, or this was carbs, or this was that. And I'm like, I'm not getting any protein in. Well, now you know. Now you just unlocked a door that you didn't know was there. Right. So educating. There is a huge component of mine to get people to realize what's going on the nutrition side of things. And that's where you can start to transform and make those changes. So the first component, it really is just letting them know what they're eating rather than letting them have the excuse of, it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me, right? Everything can work with the right capacity of application. Like it's how you apply it that knowledge that you currently have might not be the right formula for what you're trying to do, right? And nutrition is daunting for a lot of people because it does seem complex, but once you learn the basics, you can basically accomplish anything you want. So for self-limiting beliefs, as far as nutrition, it's stop being ignorant and stubborn and just kind of learn a little bit more, read some books. I don't like going online because for me, there's the extremists, I always pinpoint like you got vegans on one side, carnivores on the other, super polarizing content where people are battling from side to side. And then there's the middle ground where there's so much information that you could get just lost in all of it. So it is tough to learn the nutrition side of things on your own, but you need to find one thing, stick to it for at least 30 days and be diligent with it. And that should break a lot of the beliefs that they may have set originally. 100%. I, I like can highlight, underline so many of your words, like the diligence being one part, because um, there is so much research showing that we tend to over or underestimate rather what we eat. And even with tracking, you know, you might forget the creamer you put on your coffee. You might, might 
quote unquote, forget um, the oil that you used for cooking. You might not have estimated for that uh, salad or the, that that cheese that they sprinkled over your salad, like all these things. So of course, then it, you log maybe uh, for a female, like a thousand, two hundred calories. And you're like, oh, this is not working for me. When actually you maybe have been consuming closer to like 18, 1900 or even more. So really, really, really good point. And I like that you also said minimum of 30 days because, you know, four or five days and all the scale isn't moving is not quite enough time and is really not that fair. And then also when it comes to like the content on the internet, the unfortunate thing is that the basics are just not that sexy or attractive, right? Like if we just, you know, tell you, well, it is about calories. It is about eating more protein, more vegetables. It's like, this doesn't sound super exciting. That five-week challenge where I'm supposed to drop 20 pounds by going vegan and drinking the shake sounds way cooler. I'm going to do that. <laughs> so yeah. no, 100%, please, uh, definitely like people staying off the internet, the, the, the more the better when it comes to that. Um, nonetheless, I, I think uh, certain limiting beliefs might be a little bit more subconscious or a bit harder to um, uncover. Perhaps I have I mean, some are clear, like, let's just say carbs make me fat. If after a while, when you slowly introduce carbs and the person notices, oh, the scale still stays the same, it's, there's nothing inherently bad about that piece of bread there, that's something different. But let's just say, like, on the weekends or something like that, if... Uh, if they don't realize how big of an impact their social circle perhaps has also, or like, um, oh, well, I, I couldn't, I can't say no if everyone else has this pizza and that alcohol. That sometimes that comes out after a while of, of coaching for me. Like if I'm like, okay, why is it that recurringly on the weekend, you're not able to stick with this calorie budget? What's going on there? Um, so do you find that that's sometimes the case with your clients as well? Yeah. And that's where I get into the question component. So as far as overall nutrition, like I like to look at it numbers wise, everything's numbers for me. So your workouts are a number, your food's a number, your body weight, obviously a number, and it all goes into the equation. Now, getting into the whole weekend thing, like in school, passing is a 70%, but who wants 70%? That's not great. You're 1% away from failing. So if you do five divided by seven on your phone right now, you're going to get 71 point some percent, right? That means the weekends are gone. You're a C minus student. Who wants to be below average, right? That's not fun. And you're not going to get the results that you want. And the weekends are also going to be maybe a little bit more food than you anticipate that could throw off the entire week. So maybe it's more like four out of seven, not five out of seven. As far as not being able to say no, that's actually a conversation I've had with multiple clients more on the alcohol side of things. So they're like, oh, I need it because, you know, it just helps me loosen up and have a good time. I'm like, okay, sweet. Like, so who are you hanging out with? And she was like, oh, you know, you're my friends, my, my girlfriends. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, so are you comfortable around them? She's like, oh yeah, like totally. We have a great time all the time. I'm like, all right. So you said you're drinking because you want to feel more comfortable, but you're comfortable around those people, right? She's like, oh yeah, totally. Like, okay, so do you think that they would really judge you for not wanting to drink and support you in your goals that you have right now? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? They probably would. And I'm like, okay, so like genuinely, do you feel like you need it? Like you told me you want this and you have this goal. Do you feel like you actually need it? She's like, 
you know what? Like, no. And this was a little bit longer conversation over the course of maybe like 30 minutes during our session. She went sober, started mm -hmm. dropping weight, started to come out of some like depression that she had. And it was phenomenal to see that shift just through a, a one day conversation we had where we found out what she really wanted and the weekends were what were pulling her back and her friends support her. Like if you truly have good friends, they'll support you. If they don't, please find a new circle of friends, right? <laughs> They're not supporting you. So don't use the friends as a crutch to not get to where you want to be in life, um, physically and mentally, because they should support you with what you're doing. 100%. And I think the great thing is, it's so empowering once people see that enforcing their boundaries once is actually pretty easy. So let's just say that person next time she meets up with her girlfriends and she's like, okay, I, I'm just going to say, no, I don't want to drink. And I'm just going to say, da, da, da. she's building herself up to it. that probably a little bit of courage um, and so on. And then in that moment, she's like, well, guys, actually I've decided not to drink for, for a few months um, on the, or maybe at all. I don't know. And I'm on this, I, I want to focus more on my health and maybe, maybe even one of them joins in, but otherwise the others are like, okay, that's cool. You know, you just stick with your um, whatever soda water that you're having or so. And this is going to feel so empowering for her. She will probably be like, oh, wow, I did that. And this is how they reacted. And that's fine. And even if they reacted negatively, because may, may, let's face it, some people might be like, oh, don't be such a party pooper. You know, one or two drinks are fine, whatever. But if she sticks with her guns, she's going to feel so empowered. And, and that's going to carry over in all the other areas of her life next time her mother-in-law is trying to guilt her for third helping of this cake or whatever she can be like no i don't need this or it, it, it you know regarding re regardless of what it is this is like confidence that we build with every single decision or boundary that we put up essentially so i love it yeah it's definitely empowering and it might be difficult in that moment in time but the minute you accomplish what you said you wanted to even though it was tough for that second it's so much more powerful but when you succumb to it, honestly, that first bite or that first drink or when you finish, you feel a little bit guilty because you didn't stick to what you wanted to do yourself and you're sacrificing your happiness to fit in with other people. And that's what I have a problem with, with people mm -hmm. like it's pure pressure, whether you want to believe it or not. Um, and it, it is super empowering to say no sometimes. And I think that's a, a word that people need to use a little bit more frequently to help empower themselves in every level of their life. hundred percent. And also um, I, th I think in, in terms of like building up that confidence, I mean, it's similar to like, if you say you're going to go to the gym the next day, but then you hit the snooze button, et cetera. Like it really, it really is like a muscle that you can build up. I, I liked that you mentioned um, you have an issue with that people basically making your decision for you because there's nothing wrong with the alcohol. Like if you have a client and they're like, okay, let's build in two glasses of, of wine uh, on a Friday night because you love it and you truly enjoy it and so on, you know, that's cool, but it's their decision as long as they're not um, doing these things because they're guilted into it or feeling guilted into it. Yeah. I had a client who tracked everything for me and he was a heavy drinker and he tracked every single drink. I'm like, Hey dude, is this uh? Is this like a normal weekend? Like, or, or what? He's like, oh, this was, this was light. And I was like, oh, whoa, okay. But the dude still lost 30 pounds in three months. I was like, hell yeah. 
right? So I still maintained his lifestyle that he genuinely liked. It was him. And he still lost all the weight that he wanted to. I, I was stoked. He was still super happy. He was still out doing his thing. It's all about those adjustments. But like when it negatively impacts you socially into your personal, that's where I think there needs to be a little little shift. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A little bit of uh, huff, hard boundaries being drawn, um, totally. I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, some more of the, I guess, technical things when it comes to training approaches and so on. But maybe you can tell us a little bit about the programming that or style of programming you like to do with your clients in the sense of, do you have a preference when it comes to machines, free weights, body part splits, um, rep ranges, or um, does it really depend entirely on the client? Yeah, so for me, it depends on the client's needs and wants. My programs are always designed for them. The drawback to, let's say, my elite athletes uh, going through school, they're like, okay, you're going to periodize, periodize this. You have your hypertrophy block, then your strength block, and you're going to do this many reps, this intensity. Well, guess what? Athletes are always changing. Like something might happen at practice. And I used to pre-plan three, four months ahead. And then I realized, well, no, that does not work whatsoever. And I would have to rewrite programs all the time. And this is actually what shifted how I was able to train everybody because everybody's going to have something different happen in life. I have stay-at-home moms. I have business women. I have my... Um, construction guy who's got tons of injuries so everything that i do as far as training we have a conversation of what they have access to what they can and cannot do and what they absolutely hate doing i'm not going to force somebody to do something they absolutely hate what's the point of that my big thing in the fitness world is to make sure that you enjoy what you're doing and getting some level of fulfillment out of it personally when i train clients in person still a lot of free weights uh, just because of that stabilization factor I want them to be able to move in space a little bit better. You could do a little bit more mobility with free weights, but I do use machines. I don't think one's greater than the other. It's just training style. As far as body parts, that is uh, more aesthetic based for more of my middle-aged clients. And we just talk about like, what do you want to enhance more? Or I have some older adults that need a little bit more overhead movement just because they don't do it anymore. So I have progressions to make sure that they're getting that movement to improve their quality of life. And one of my favorite stories ever is, um, it was actually in person. She was 82 years old um, when I first started working at Crunch. And very low mobility. She had a cane. Um, she hated getting on the floor, but I knew she needed, needed it just to keep her safe, right? If anything were to happen at home. There's one day she came in. She's like, Taylor, 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 guess what? I'm like, well, what's going on? I didn't have to ask Dick, her, her husband, to get the beans out of the cabinet. I reached up and got them out of the, of the cabinet myself. And this is a huge life-changing event for her at 82 years old because she was able to grab beans out of a cupboard of, over her head for the first time in years. It's like, that's the stuff that ignites me and lights me. When, when something we do in the gym that can seem so basic and boring changes your life in a day-to-day -day level, that is transformative and that's why i do what i do because i know i'm impacting more than just like oh i look good like check me out type thing it's it's those stories that i strive for as a coach
I honestly got goosebumps when you were telling the story. That's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, really I have cool. them right now too. Like, I I love oh Diane, I, I miss her. Um, genuinely, I'm actually I moved away. There was tears with a lot of my clients when I moved to open the gym in LA, and uh, ooh, I'm getting a little yeah. I I'm scared to text her because it's been five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, and Yeah. I don't want no answer or a bad answer, um, but. I love that woman. She she taught me lessons that I still use in my training today. I bet. And it would have been so inspiring. And uh, like the word er used earlier, like that was empowering for her. She felt empowered. She didn't have to ask for help. And he, I thought you were going to say maybe she fell down and she was able to get up or whatever. But this is way cooler that she didn't have to ask her husband or maybe she can still carry her groceries um, from one place to another and doesn't need to ask for help. So really, truly empowering super super cool and um i i agree as much i mean i'm i'm only um only online based but some things even those those personal connections and you're just not going to get an online client at 82 years of age like unless their you know great grandchild sets them up with everything that's just not going to happen so unfortunately um that's one of the downsides of just being online but nonetheless a super cool story Um, and of course, I'm curious, still, so like with your own training, because you were an athlete or um, have had a lot of or a long athletic career as well. What does your training look like these days? What do you enjoy nowadays? And how like also, I guess that's that's a really important thing, because you said you've, you used to have these big goals of, um, you know, going to the Olympics or whatever, like the huge, huge tangible goal. Well, not tangible, but definable goals. And now what's, what's your goal now when it comes to your training and do you still need those specifics? Yeah, so my background um, in track and field led me to training with literally the best in the world, Olympic gold medalist, world record holders. Um, if anybody knows track and field, my latest training partners were Sydney McLaughlin, Rye Benjamin, Michael Norman, uh, Kendall Ellis, Taylor McLaughlin, who I actually still coach for his nutrition, the top in the world. Um, track and field does not make much money, but I was around the people that actually made it, which was really cool. Um And now that level of training and mindset is still instilled in me. However, I'm 32 now. I was looking to make a world team um, when my daughter was still born, but I had an injury and I'm like, you know what? It's time to focus on dad life and, and business. So now my training is much more uh, relaxed, more health-based. I'm not coming home dead from a training session. Like you shouldn't die all the time. Training at an elite, elite level is different than staying healthy. People think they need to go into the gym and actually absolutely crush themselves. That's not the case. I train probably half as much as I used to, if not less. Um, a lot of it is just regular strength movements. I try to go through different phases of like truly building strength, just some mobility and movement, um, trying to build some muscle here and there. Um, keeping my cardio up. Cardio is important, but I think it's overemphasized with the female population. And I think they need to learn how impactful weightlifting is, um, even though it can be daunting. So I try to live the life that I try to educate others on. So four or five days a week of lifting, two, three days of a week of cardio, and then walking, try to get out, walk my dog, go out, play with my daughter. 
So it's it's basic um, movements, nothing cra crazy fancy, no Instagram real viral type movements because those are all just fluff and dumb, honestly. <laughs> like keep yourself safe, work a little bit hard and and then eat properly. That's that's what I follow now. It's just like you said earlier, it's it's boring, it's bland, but that's really what it is. It's just a routine that you're doing because it makes you feel good and it makes me feel really good now. The great thing is too, and you said that in regards to your daughter, the great thing is too that like keeping it as quote unquote basic as, as that or to the basics, it allows you to focus on other areas in your life so much more. I mean, there is a reason why those pro athletes, like that's all that they do, right? That's how it should be. But then there, you have a lot of people that train like pros and beat themselves up and at the same time have a full-time job have family have all this and then we start running into problems with hormones and just in general overtraining and and whatnot the reason i asked about the mindset too is because i have heard it over and over again that people that come from such a um or have like experience as a competitor they then struggle not having any particular goals in the sense of Oh, I need to say I, I have yeah numerous clients are like I need to set uh need to sign up for another marathon tough tough mutter whatever event because if I don't have that date if I don't I, they struggle and of course you mentioned um this is just part of, of who you are but nonetheless I can imagine that it does feel like a little bit like you fall into a hole maybe for a little bit until you find your feet and you find joy in that routine Yeah, definitely. So more background on more the actual dark side of athletics. Um, being an elite athlete is not healthy. People look at their bodies and see what they accomplish and think that's the greatest thing in the world. But I personally had body dysmorphia because one of my coaches said I needed to be smaller. I under ate for years. You talked about hormones. My hormones were jacked up when I finally learned about getting blood work in my uh, like mid-20s. Then trying to come out of that learn that it's okay to eat it's going to help with my performance it's going to help with my energy and then thinking that you always have to train super hard to get a goal is something that is tough to break away from so when i stopped like wow what do i do now like you do get depressed you get lost uh, you don't know what you're doing i do think it's still important to have some level of goal And you always want to be able to move the goalpost. It's not stationary. If it's a weight loss goal, you hit 10 pounds and you hit it and you're like, okay, yay. Now what? Well, we need to find out what else you like or what do you want to tweak? What do you want to improve on? For me now, I, I'm actually in that period of, I don't know what I'm doing because I was going to do a half marathon, but I hurt my foot. So I'm just trying to maintain um, overall health and fitness right now. And it's, It makes it hard for me personally because I still have that mentality of being an athlete because I'm only a little over two years out from retiring completely. I've done mountain bike races. I've done a half marathon um, and some other small things. But I think when somebody goes into the gym, just like, oh, I'm just doing this to be healthy and fit. It can be a little bit tough, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to look at the things that you do day to day. Like, oh, I, I hit one extra rep. Sweet. Like I look for that now. Like, all right, last week I did six sets on my back squat at say 275. Let's see if I could do seven and hit the same reps. That's a level of excitement that you could look at where it might not be this like huge glamorous event, but you're getting those small daily wins that just stack up to give you motivation to keep on going. 
That's such That's... a good point. I can really relate to that. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, I have, I never was a, a, a competitive athlete in that sense, but um, I started CrossFit in, in 2014 and really fell in love with it because I have a competitive nature within. And then of course, after a while I got injured and um, had to stop and essentially then transitioning over into just pure strength training I thought it was the most boring thing because you know you you didn't you didn't, it, it's not like you're you're you don't have anyone who celebrates your PRs with you you don't have anyone who's standing there cheering you on on the sidelines and you're just like oh okay so I'm just supposed to train for life now for maybe aesthetics just aesthetics seemed a little bit vain to me at the time now I'm kind of getting more appreciation and learning so much more from the bodybuilding side too but um yeah it it certainly is a struggle and like you said like trying to find those small motivations on your own, or even just incorporating like a new movement once a month. Um, so you're like, okay, this is novelty. I'm working on my range of motion here or um, doing something different, going for a um, a track for some tracking or with a, a ruck, uh, rucksack or something like that. Once in a moon, blue moon, even though you never do that, that can be fun too. So yeah, nonetheless, it is uh, it is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, it's so funny that you say it. it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of boring. I remember when I first stopped running, I'm like, all right, time to get huge and like start bodybuilding. I lasted a week. I'm like, this is stupid. I want to go run. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I had such a mentality of like high heart rate, lots of sweat, working super hard to slowing things down immensely. Like I lifted when I was still running, but it was different. And I, yeah, it, it took me months to kind of completely transition to oh, I get it now. Like, okay, in the gym, making these little PRs every day, step by step. It doesn't need to be death every single day like I was on the track. Like now I have an appreciation for it. 100%. Well, Taylor, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your time, and also your methods with us. Um, if uh, people want to look look you up, and they should, and learn more about your uh, methods and so on, um, they should definitely go and check out Instagram, Taylor Runs. And um, where else can they find you? Do you have a website or anything like that? So I have Crown Athletics. It's crwnathletics.com. Um, and then if you just look up my name on YouTube, uh, you'll find me there, Taylor Rose, R-O-S. And then uh, Instagram is Row Runs. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Super. Thank you so much. And I, um, yeah, I encourage everyone to, to follow Taylor. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.